This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. to see you all. Here we go. It's going to be a time. (laughs) Um, So if you've been around for any of the, I don't even know how many weeks, many, many weeks that we've been going through um, the book of Acts, you will know that last week we looked at Acts chapter 9, so today we're picking up in chapter 10, makes sense. Um, But I think Acts is probably one of my favorite books in the Bible. There is drama, a little bit of drama. There's shipwrecks, there's miracles, There's powerful encounters with the Spirit, there are lives that are transformed, and there's so much more than that as well. But before we dive into the passage for today, um, let me introduce our two main characters. So first, we have a guy called Cornelius. Uh, We know that he was a Roman centurion. What that means is he was in command of 100 soldiers. He would have then been in a legion of 500 soldiers, and because of where they were in Caesarea, there would have been a few hundred more as well. So pretty prominent. We also know that he would have been well paid. So he was socially um, kind of high regarded um, and would have been wealthy. And in Acts chapter 10 verse 2, it says that he was a God-fearing man, um, which in this case means that he was a follower of the God of Israel, but he didn't live under Jewish customs, which in other words means he was a Gentile, which is quite important for today's story. Um, And then our second key character is a guy called Peter. You might have heard of him. Um, He was a close friend of Jesus. He was a rock of the church. He was an all-round top guy. Um, And if you want to find out a little bit more about him, if he's new to you, um, a great place to start is in the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament in chapter 5. So today we're going to continue our story. And chapter 10 kind of acts as a bit of a springboard um, into kind of rapid expansion of the church. Um, The gospel is no longer just for people from a Jewish background. The spirit isn't exclusive. Um, And that's where we are picking up this story. We will be jumping around a little bit. So I'm hoping that they will come up on the screen. If it's too small, I'm very sorry. We did this at half nine last night. (laughs) Um, So starting in verses 3 to 17, it says, One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel spoke to him um, and had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told him everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him to get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call unclean anything that God has made clean. This happened three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. 
While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. Right, we're going to pause there in the chapter. Um, so this passage um, starts off with an interaction with an angel. I would probably be afraid as well. I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure I would love that. Um, but as a result of that interaction and that encounter, um, Cornelius sends three of his trusted people to go and get Peter. So that would have been a 31-mile journey from Caesarea to Joppa, roughly, um, which is quite far. I've never walked that far. I think the furthest I've gone is like 10K and it was an accident. Um, so I'm going to be honest, probably not for me, but that's okay. Um, but it just so happened that when they arrived, Peter had just had his encounter with the Lord. I wonder what it would have looked like if Peter hadn't gone up to the roof yet. Would it have looked something like them coming in, him meeting them and saying, look, I'm tired, I'm hungry, my dinner's not ready, I don't know who you are, can you actually just go away? What strikes me is that God had the timing of this down to an absolute T. He had been preparing each one of their hearts for what he wanted them to do in the next step of his plan. And here God collides their stories together um, to get to that next stage of the plan that is greater than our plan. I don't know if you've ever turned up at someone's house because you felt like they needed a meal dropped off or dropped off some flowers or you just needed to check in or maybe you've had a word or an encouragement for someone and you've shared that and the response has been that's exactly what I needed right now. That resonates with me. That is what I needed to hear. Perhaps if you'd given the same word a few weeks later, it might not have landed in that way. Because our God is a God who knows us and prepares our hearts for what we need, but also what he wants for us to do. This situation is a little bit like that, but it is a little bit of a bigger scale, I think. Again, I'm not sure God has asked many of us to walk 31 miles to bring back someone that we don't know. Bit of an interesting one. But we see that here, and we see the faithfulness and the trust that Cornelius has in his God. And the willingness from Peter to say yes, despite not really knowing what he was walking into. When their stories collide, it also to me seems a little bit like Peter didn't really have time to figure out what had just happened. Um, which can often be how our God works, isn't it? He gives us a little part of what we need, and then as we take the next step, he reveals another bit. And then we take another step and he can reveal another bit. Because it says, verse 17 there, while Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found him at the house and stopped at the gate. The Lord had prepared each one of their hearts to listen and to go and to say yes, to seek him. And it's the same for us today. What is it that the Lord is preparing your heart for? What is it that he's inviting you into with him? For me, over the last kind of, I would say we will, but like 28 years, um, I've been on a bit of a journey of discovering what it is that he wants for me. What does he want for my life? Who does he say I am? What has he put in me? And what has he put in me to share with others? So for me, it's been stepping out and doing things like this and finally saying my yes. What has he been preparing you for? What has he put in your heart to share? Is it to share your faith with a colleague? Is it to share the goodness that you've experienced of him with someone that you love? Is it to openly be generous in a way that isn't expecting anything back in a new way? 
The reality for us is having a heart that says yes and having a heart that we know God is preparing takes obedience, which can be really hard. But our God longs for our obedience in that. And we can see that through um, Cornelius and Peter. If you know my story, which some of you here um, will know some of it, um, you'll know I was at uni in Aberdeen. Um, it was a super great time. Rich was also at uni in Aberdeen, clearly. It was the place to be. Um, and I figured it out because I'm a little bit lame. And exactly 2,340 days ago today, I tried to tell Jesus that my plan was better than his. Um, my first question is why? Why did I think that was the right choice? Um, to cut a very long story short, I felt like what I was meant to do was probably not go back to Aberdeen after uni, but everything in me wanted to do that. And I said, no, this is what I'm doing. And my youth leader um, at the time, I spent a lot of time doing youth stuff with my kind of church I grew up with. And he said, are you sure? Are you sure you're making the right choice here? I'm like, yes, I'm going back to Aberdeen. I love it. I love my church. I've got good friends. And he said, okay, that's fine. That's fine. And then about a week later, he said, but are you sure? <laughs> yes, stop asking me. I'm going back to Aberdeen. And that's that. And I was stubborn and I packed up the car 2000 and whatever days ago today with all my stuff to move back to Aberdeen. And I sobbed my whole drive. I ugly cried. And it's really difficult to drive when you're ugly crying. I can confirm from experience. But I got to Aberdeen and I was meeting up with a friend and I pulled it together and pretty much as soon as she spoke, I cried again. I was like, okay, I've got to pull it together. I'm here, I'm moving here, this is what I'm doing. And then I got to where I was gonna be staying, that was all sorted, and I cried again. And I thought, what am I doing? Like, this is so wrong. I have, this is just not what Jesus wants for me. So I phoned my mom, who is lovely and is not currently in the room, which is sad, but hi, mom. Um, <laughs> and, you know when you're crying so much that you can't speak, like when kids are inconsolable? So I'm going to do an impression of myself. Hold on. Um, so I phoned mum and I went, I, I don't think I'm to live here. Literally like that. It was awful. Um, and she said, okay, come home. That's fine. Come home. You're not, you're not going to be homeless. You can come and stay with us. And then we'll just take it from there. So thing number one. Find people that love you well. Um, but thing number two, how much simpler could I have made things if I'd just listened to Jesus? I overcomplicated that whole situation. So then a few months after I got back and accepted that I was moving to Sterling, and that was now almost seven years ago, um, got a message from the wonderful Hannah. She said, look, I feel like Jesus is asking me to plant a church in Sterling. I would love to chat to you about it. And everything clicked together. And I thought, oh. <laughs> I feel a little bit foolish now because that makes sense. Um, but God loves our obedience. Not because it's what we should do, because he tells us to. Yes, that is a part of it. But because he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to say our yes. Because saying our yes to him is saying that I know you know more than me. So I can surrender my plan and my will for your kingdom. I don't think my story would have been wasted if I'd gone back to Aberdeen. But I think it probably would have taken me a little bit longer to get to where I was meant to be. Cornelius had obedience. He sent his people off the day of his experience and said, you've got to go. You've got to go and get Peter. 
you've got to bring him back. I need to talk to him. But I think Peter's response that he had in the sort of vision is much more relatable to us. At first, he argues back and says, I can't do that. Why would I do that? I can't eat anything unclean. He does this three times. And Peter, if you know his story, is big into threes, it seems. He denies Jesus three times. He proclaims who Jesus is three times. And now here again, he's trying to argue back three times. And the Lord says, don't call impure what I've made clean. And this is a real catalyst moment for the church. It's a real pivotal moment in what sharing the gospel looks like. It's easy to look at this story and think, wow, look at that. They said yes and went. But the reality is, I'm not sure that's how Peter would have felt in the moment. Our God longs for our obedience because he longs for our yes to see where that call takes us. To see how he would move us forward into what he has. It might take a little bit longer sometimes to get there than we like, but the important part is we say yes in the end. Like me. It took a while, but we got there. And from Cornelius and Peter's yeses, we see this moment in the church where there's rapid expansion. Previously, um, that kind of relationship was really only available for people from a Jewish background. Um, And now here we see it readily available for everyone. The gospel was preached boldly. So we're going to jump back into the passage um, a little bit further down. So verses 4 to 4 to 48. Um, So Peter is just shared to this group of Gentiles who are Cornelius' people and friends and really whoever gathered. um, Who Jesus was, his death, his resurrection, what that meant, the, the spirit and who the spirit was. So that's where we pick up here. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. They were astonished. They couldn't believe that what they had received was open for others as well. But it was clear there were so many signs that the Spirit had moved in powerful ways. That gift was for everyone. As a result of their obedience, the gospel was preached and the Spirit was poured out and lives were changed. And that can be the same today for us. We can speak boldly of who Jesus is. We can encounter the spirit in powerful ways. And that can be poured out, but for us to share it as well. There was a visible display of God's power and spirit in that place. There were no longer clean and unclean like what Peter had said in his vision. They were one people under God in the spirit saved by the Son. Do you know that our God is deeply and personally invested in you? He's not exclusive. He's not for a club. He's not for some and not for others. And he doesn't only want a part of you. He wants everything that you've got. And he wants to give you everything that he has for you. I take a huge amount of comfort that our God isn't in the business of being exclusive. He longs for all of us. 
in our mess and the times that we get it wrong and we fall short and the times that we drive to Aberdeen to attempt to run away from his plan. Our God, maybe that's just me, but that sounds like a me problem. That's okay. <laughs> but he's ready and waiting to meet with us all. As we start to think about what does that look like for us as a church, what would that look like? What does it look like for us to be expectant on a Sunday? But not only expectant on a Sunday, but expectant on a Monday morning in the office. On a Wednesday evening when you're doing the brownies drop-off. I don't know. What do people do that have kids? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> that feels I'm looking at you, Ruth. Is that right? Yes. I got a club right. Um, but in our everyday things that we can see as mundane and boring what does it look like for us to be expectant that the spirit will speak to us and move through us so as we think about that um i'm really keen for us to leave space just to see what god wants to say um so if you are able to why don't we stand together um and we're just gonna wait and when we do that we say come holy spirit not because he's already here but because we're saying i'm ready for you i'm here for you, I want you, and it's an invitation for him to move into our lives. Um, so Ali's going to reappear also; it'd be great. Um, yeah. So Spirit, would you come? Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church. 